Here we go, season seven. All aboard. If you missed it, here's what we believe. 66 book canon. We believe in a 66 book canon. There is no more, there is no less. It's 66 books. That Yeshua, who is preached by the apostles in the Gospels and in the epistles, is the only means of salvation, as we are calling Yeshua, means. In other words, justification is by faith alone and not by works that any man should boast. Faith working through love. We are unashamedly Trinitarian. We're also unashamedly uh, doctor, believe in the doctrines of grace, what is commonly referred to as Calvinistic. The, the new covenant is not time-bound. That is to say that the, the horizon of the faith of our father Abraham is no different. Right. No, no, it is not shy of the horizon of our hope and our faith. In other words, the, that salvation was salvation was the same for Abraham as it is for us. Right. It is Wednesday, March 26th. Actually, it's Thursday, March 26th, 2020. This is Messiah Matters number 294. Getting ready to share unpopular views. My name is Caleb Hegg. And I'm Rob Van Hoff, being distracted by reading an A.W. Tozier quote. Mm -hmm. Keep a Christian from entering the church sanctuary, and you have not in the least bit hindered his worship. I love that. Yep. Yeah, there's a lot going on right now. You know, first you of Nissan, baby. It is the first of Nissan. Happy New Year to everybody. We start to count to Pesach. Right. Pesach. And everybody's on lockdown in basically the entire world because of the coronavirus. It's Pesach down. Lockdown. Which is interesting. We've seen, Man, we've seen some weird stuff because of the whole coronavirus. Hey, Trader Joe's has matzah for like $2.99 a box, man. <laughs> Yeah, I, got, I mean, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so we hope that all of everyone's doing all right. We uh, Actually, it's funny because uh, yesterday what, you had a, what, a, uh, a house appraisal, right? Yeah. Yep. Yeah, and it was scheduled and we had to get it in. Actually, the lady came and she's like, yeah, this is actually the last day I'm doing these. You know, then they're going to a, a different uh, way of doing it, like online or through interview that's funny that's funny because the day before on tuesday yeah actually maybe it was monday i got a call because we're refinancing as well and uh (laughs) we got a call out of the blue and the and the guy was like hey i just had an opening can i come over and appraise your house and i was like yeah come on over and he wouldn't be in the same room with us right yeah he was like, like all the doors have to be opened and or he had wipes or whatever. Oh yeah. And, and the at the the best part was is at the very end he was like, I'm actually out of gloves. And I was like, Oh, well, I have some gloves here. So I'm like giving my appraiser like extra. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. Anyway, 
Um, I don't know if people have realized this. We haven't changed the pictures on our Messiah Matter uh, on our Messiah Matters More, but we've been posting Messiah Matter Messiah Matters More videos in the online uh, <coughs> on the online uh, hidden page for our subscribers. So go check that out. And if you want to become a subscriber, you can do so. Go to TorahResource.com. Um, go down, uh, go over shop, hover over shop, then go down to other materials and you'll see in other materials, uh, support Messiah Matters more as little as $5 a month up to a million dollars a month. It's pretty much up to you. And if you really want to give us like a million and one dollars each month, we'll allow that too. So that would be amazing. <laughs> It's there. Um, it's it's God's money anyway. That's right. All right. It's um, all his. All right. Be part of the conversation. Go ahead and do that. Uh, our comment line is 253-465-3205. 253-465-3205. And also shoot us an email, chagatorresource.com. It's chagatorresource.com. Um, yeah. So I, the the reason that um, today I said sharing unpopular, getting ready to share unpopular views, I'm going to share a view that I have today that I think might be contrary to Rob's opinion and Uh-oh. might also be contrary and is definitely contrary to my father's opinion who is the president of Torah Resource. And so anytime I prepare to do that it gets a little sketchy. I just spilled coffee all see I'm shaking already. Earthquake. Just spilled coffee that's, all over my That's that's high high super high calf coffee for you to It spill. is high octane. There's no doubt Dude, about it. I like okay, what coffee. is on the mug? Uh, it says, I'll, I'll show it to you. Hang on. I can see an upright bass there, or a double bass. I see a drum. And it's a klezmer band, I believe. Klezmer band. All right. You got the Hasidic dudes on the on the violin and the, right. and the trumpets. Right I, You know, so I have no clue. It's actually funny. I'm, I'm very particular about my cups. As odd as that sounds, the, the handle has to be right. I know that all of our cups look the same, but they're not. And I'm extremely particular about my cups and the handle has to be right. And my, my parents get cups every once in a while. I don't know where they come from. This is one of them, but they, my dad got one in the Philippines. I think the first time he went there, they, they got him a cup and it says world's best teacher. And it says it in Hebrew. And then it says it in English, but mm-hmm. for some reason that handle is so good. And I confiscated that <laughs> cup and took it home. But here's the thing, you know, we've had a home church in our home for a really long time. And I love that. It's my favorite cup, not because it says world's best teacher. I'm the one teaching on on Saturdays out of our house, right? You just like the feel. I of just the... like the feel and the way that the handle comes up first, you know, and it's got this perfect, And but I don't use it on uh, when our home group comes over because I don't want people to think that I'm like, <laughs> yeah, world's best teacher. Yeah. <laughs> Listen to me. <laughs> exactly. Oh, uh, that's yeah. funny. All right. You got to take it to like the cup engineering place. Say, I want one of these with different writing on it. I, I Ned Benfield in the, in the, uh, okay. I, I got a story about this actually, Ned. Ned says, try decaf. Okay. <laughs> nice. Hi, Ned. <laughs> I, here's the thing. I go on these extreme diets every once in a while. Oh, I'm actually, golly. I'm on he one was of a, them. Which one are you now? I'm a vegan right now. He's a vegan. Fully Until vegan. Pit. But okay. plant-based, plant-based vegan. Um, and it, I, I know people don't care about this. Anyway, so one time I went on a no sugar diet. No white sugar, <laughs> right? And so I was on it for like, I don't know, 
like four months. I lost a lot of weight. Anyway, um, I decided during that time as well, much to my wife's chagrin, to give up coffee, which I did. And I was cranky. I was like, not just for the first week. Like I was never happy. It's like the, <laughs> the other Caleb came out. <laughs> exactly. And and I... And, well, Case was like, honey... Yeah, exactly. Drink Please this, drink, drink this. some coffee. Please so I, I started trying to drink decaf and I went on the hunt for decaf that actually t- tastes like coffee. It doesn't. There's there's something about caffeine that actually makes it taste like coffee. And decaf does not taste like coffee. The only place, <laughs> the only place that I could find, we went up to Vancouver, B.C. We went to a place that we love to go. It's a coffee shop called Revolver and they, they do all they do is pour over right coffee and they got it's like they got this huge wall of different you know blends of coffee or whatnot they had one decaf and it was the closest that it came to a real cup of coffee and i thought you know what i could drink this i could drink this on a semi-regular basis and once i realized that i'd have to go to vancouver bc for a good cup of decaf coffee i've never drank it since what's the point it's like story it's like it's like watered flavored coffee it's really bad. Water, <laughs> coffee flavored water. There we go. That's what I was looking for. Okay, okay let's 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 move on to some real important issues. What here. are we talking? Well, yeah, what's on the docket? Okay, well, the coronavirus is all over the place, and everyone is freaking out uh, in multiple ways. And one of the things that we've noticed is, I think everyone has noticed this. Everybody's gone to online church, right? So mm. you know, now it's not just. It's not just like a couple people I know. We see great, huge churches. Like, you know, I know that John MacArthur preached to his staff of about 10 people last Sunday. They broadcast it live. So the only people that were actually in the building were a couple of people who were helping, you know, with the live stream. Um, Just down the road is my uncle's church. They have a huge campus and a huge you know, a huge body and they too went online. They've been doing all their services online. Now this isn't for, for a lot of people, this isn't um, a big move. You know, someone like my father, he, I, their congregation is, I don't know, 50, 60 people. Uh, they live stream and they have about, I don't know, I would probably say 50, 60 people online. Um, so they, they have as big of, of a congregation online as they have, in the seats. Um, so I guess one of the, okay. I, should I just come out and, and give my radical, my radical view? Just say it. Man. Just say it. Okay. And then we'll talk about it. Uh, coronavirus aside, I don't think that there's any time. Now I've, I've recently come to this opinion, but I don't think that there's any time that a church or a congregation or an ecclesia should live stream their service. In other words, I don't believe in digital church. And I'll tell you why. And I know that's super hardcore for a lot of people, and that's going to disappoint a lot of people, and i got a lot of friends that go to church online. Um, so, you know, no offense to anyone, but I don't, obviously we don't see a biblical model for this because obvious. But I think that, I think that online church or attending online, a congregation online is like trying to, and this, uh, 
Mike gave me this analogy. It's a great analogy. It's like trying to Skype your Thanksgiving meal. There's something very, very, very specific and important about community. And it's not a sermon. Look, if the people who come to the congregation that I'm a part of, if they want to hear a really good sermon, they can get on to Ligonier Ministries and listen to R.C. Sproul preach. They can get on and listen to, I mean, there are people who are phenomenal preachers, much better than me, much, much better than me. So church is not about the message that you're hearing necessarily, although that's important. I'm not saying that that's not important. And, um, you know, you, you can crank up the stereo and listen to some worship music and sing some worship music, you know, and, and, and get into a, a mode of worship and praise the Lord. So it's not necessarily, I mean, it's certainly it's a part of it, but worship music is not necessary. The, the reason for community is to bear each other's burdens, to keep each other accountable you know, one of the reasons that I think that uh, you know, I've had people say to me, well, I just stay at home with my family on Shabbats or whatever. Okay. Well, the problem with that is, is that, you know, being held accountable, mean, like we, if we're blinded to our own sin, it means that we're blinded to our own sin. And usually if we're in a family unit, a lot of the time, the family unit is also bl- blinded to that. Being part of a community is having people come around you and say, what you're doing is wrong, or praise the Lord for you in this, or thank you for this, supporting each other, praying with each other. And I think that that is impossible when it moves to online. What is more, and I will give one more case and then let you come in and and oppose me. What is more, I think that, um, I think that it, online community Let's people be lazy. In other words, if I'm in a place where I have no community, there's no one around, and I can't find a community, one of two things could happen at this point. A, I jump online, I find an online community, I lock in there, and I'm good. Now I don't need to look anymore. I don't need to find anything. Um, I, I'm not looking for a holy gathering, which is what a micro is, which is what we're supposed to be doing. I'm, I'm okay with that online gathering or I look for and, or start my own group. And when we go, so you're either so uncomfortable not being in community that you go find one or start one or you're not. So I think that online community is more damaging than it is good. And go. Yeah, I appreciate what you're saying. Like, so locally here, Heart of Messiah, we're in our seventh year. Right. We've never streamed services until the last two Shabbats, I think. Maybe the last three. With And this last Shabbat, we didn't physically meet. And we're not planning to in the next couple of weeks to physically meet. So our situation is a little bit different than what I'm hearing you describe. Our, our situation is to provide connection and continuity through, through this, what we're viewing as a temporary uh, 
acknowledgement of the value of the of the social social distancing um and so i'm all for it in this in this case um but but we we're not we're not looking at it as a long-term solution it's it's for it's serving an existing community of people that regularly are in touch in person but okay so here's here's going to be my radical my radical thought is that I don't know if that actually does good. And the reason why is because I think that in a time like this, when everyone's in uh, you know, social distancing and quarantine and all these kind of things, instead of putting up something that's fake, in other words, not real community, I think that Absence makes the heart grow fonder. In other words, when we are away from our community for a certain amount of time, say yeah, two or three yeah, weeks. I, I, I don't know. I mean, Paul wrote letters to Absolutely. people. And they received the letters and they were edified. And he wasn't physically there. All, all we're doing, we're just, re, we're just temporarily using a, an alternative media to physical presence. It's, uh, and, and so, you know, I mean, obviously, we can each have different opinions on that. Uh, I see it as a good thing. If it were to go long term, there would be problems, I think. Yeah, because it's not. And this is what I do agree with what I hear you saying is that community is people who meet in person in the flesh regularly. Yes. And they bear one another's burdens. I totally agree with that. And there's no way you can replace that with social media. You can't replace that. You can't create it. The best situation, the best use and place of social media, in my opinion, is to enhance existing real communities. And that's true in my larger family, too. I've got a pretty big family network, and we love getting together. We have fun. We love being together. We, we rejoice when the Lord blesses us and we can all be together. But when we can't be together, we still laugh and do funny, use social media to stay in touch. And so that to me is the appropriate lane for social media. See, but okay, I, I understand what you're saying. But I wonder, you know, look, when when we when we look in the Torah, if somebody has a bald spot that turns red, what happens? They quarantine, right? So we don't see the Torah trying to supplement that somehow, do we? Well, they know, we know that someone's in touch with them. We know the priest goes out and talks to them. They're just, it's not that, you know, are, do you think they're just sitting in a room all by themselves all day? Or are they hanging out with other people who are under the same? Yeah, well, and, that, and that's just it, is that, is that I think that, uh, you know, I think that without digital, com- digital quote-unquote, digital community, is, here's, here's, and I understand that I'm going to get a lot of pushback from this, but one of the reasons that I think the digital community is, is I don't know I don't know what I want to what word I want to use, but basically, it's the idea that this can in some way be replicated. In other words, I don't think that we can replicate community online in any way. No, I agree. I, yeah, I agree. And yeah. so to and so to 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 think that we can socially replicate. Okay, we're going to be quarantined, so now we need to try to have this community online it's not the same thing you you understand what i'm saying in other words it, it, there's no way to replicate that 
Yeah, I guess this is where we look at it differently. If it's an existing known group of people that are just gathering online for a temporary purpose due to this virus going around, to me, I see it as a good thing. Yeah, we also have uh, people. We also have people in uh, uh, online, and, and uh, I've seen a lot of Facebook stuff about uh, you know, oh, persecution of the church or whatnot. You know, we've seen people try to use certain uh, passages of scripture of persecution to to say that the government is persecuting us or whatever. I'm sorry, this is ridiculous. Yeah, that's, I agree with you. That's that's yeah, persecute. Like in Acts five, I saw someone quote Acts five as like, you know, this is the government trying to get us. No, no, it's not. This is not targeted persecution for following Yeshua and for preaching the gospel. There is no one preventing, no one in my, in the United States that to my knowledge in our country right. is preventing anybody from preaching the gospel right now. And not only that, but you know what, if that's the case, then my friend who works at Burger King who can't work right now is also being persecuted because he's exactly. not going to be that's able to pay me, his yeah. rent. So it's, so it's, 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 you could be, the atheists are being persecuted just as much as the real, depending on the religion. Not only that, here's, here's a big whopper on that one. Cause I've seen that too. I've seen people come say, Oh, this is oppression. And you know, and I, those same people are probably going to happily accept the government uh, money that comes out. Exactly. Stimulus package. Exactly. So in other words, in one hand, I'll, I'll blame the government and say, we're going to meet anyway. And you know, da, 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 religious persecution on one hand, on the other hand, they're going to happily receive the 2,400 or whatever. Right. Plus, if they've got kids, government handout. So that to me, if you're really going to stand on the principle that you're being oppressed for your faith, then when that comes time for that government handout to come, you on the same principle, if you have any integrity, you're going to say, nope. Right. Um, th there's a really good comment here, and I want to touch on this. Francis says, that's a very broad statement. We can't forgive, forget about our brothers and sisters in the Lord who are homebound or are in nursing homes and cannot go to services all of the time. I completely agree. But the the the, the uh, solution for that is not online service. I'm sorry it's not. The solution for that is for the community that is around them to go to them and bring community to them. We've seen this happen. There was a gentleman that I know who, who uh, started getting dementia and his wife wanted to come to service and some of the men of the congregation every Shabbat would go to his house and, and stay with him and be with him, pray with him. That's community. That is a community functioning the way it should in that respect. The, the solution for that is not to turn on a screen and think that that person is getting community. I'm sorry, I just disagree that that is not that's not because that's not community bearing each other's burdens being able look i've said this many times community happens and we we were in a home fellowship but community so this is where this comes from i said community happens from the coffee pot to the dining room table because the coffee pot was in the kitchen dining room table is where we all sat down to to talk about you know to have our service in between that place no matter what home we were in, there was this little, you know, a hallway or whatever 
That's where people would stop me and say, I'm having a hard time, or I need prayer on this. I lost my job, or, you know, like, praise the Lord for this, or whatever. Or can you make this announcement? Because I'm, you know, blah, blah, blah. all these things, all these social interactions that went on, that's nothing that would have happened online. I can't type into a chat, ro- chat room and say, you know, I'm having a really hard time with this sin. It's like you can't go, uh, Caleb, getting coffee, walking from coffee to the table, bump into uh, so-and-so. I had somebody sit me down one time, not sit me down, but stop me one time and say, say to me, I'm having a really hard time. I'm struggling with pornography. That would have never happened online. In a chat room. In a chat room with, yeah. 100, with 100 people. And that's what community is for. Community is for, for me to be able to say, brother, let's pray. Right. You know, you pray together and then calling that person and, and, and visiting that person, sitting down and having coffee with that person saying, how's it going? That's community. Yeah. So, you know, I think that I think that in the new digital age, we've we've decided, oh, well, there are exceptions to this idea. And uh, and in in doing that, we've diminished the idea of what true community is. True community is not just watching a sermon. True community is bearing each other's burdens. It's a mikrachodesh. It's it's a holy gathering. And if you and if a person can't make it to that gathering, I think that that gathering needs to support the people. You know, I think that the community needs to say, "Look, we have a, a person, a widow who is you know homebound right now. How can we help her? How can we go to her? How can we bring community to her? We got a gentleman who you know broke his leg and can't move around his house. How can we help this person? That's community." Um, okay, I'm sure I've probably stirred up plenty of good conversation, and uh, I don't want to be overly dogmatic because I know that there's a lot of people who, um, you know, who are going to disagree with me. But I, I mean, that's how that's what I think, and that's how I feel. And the more I, w- I think one of the reasons that it, this has come kind of more into my my focus is because we have a lot of people, a lot of people who call the offices and say things like, I'm in this area, there's no one around me. I don't have any community. And so I think a lot of the time the idea is, okay, well, let's give them an online community. But does that help people strive to find community, to find other believers around them? And I I don't think that we have to agree with other believers on everything. You know what I'm saying? Um, Yeah, okay. So, let's keep going. Coronavirus and Passover. This is an interesting one. Now, I realized, I, and I forgot to tell you this, PJ, uh, he, he emailed us, and he emailed a quote. This is an excerpt from, an Armstrong, from Armstrongers. Armstrong is a, I think we've talked about Armstrong before. Uh, so, this is, uh, I, he said possibly, I'm not sure where he got this quote. But it says, hashtag Passover 2020, immediately all communities that observe the Passover rite should defer to Numbers 9, 6 through 7 and the 14th of ER, beginning the Holy Day, week 15 ER, referred to as Pesach Shanae, or second Passover, and refers uh, to 08 May, or the 8th of May, afternoon to uh, the 9th of May begins after sunset. So basically what they're saying is because of the... um, because of the coronavirus, that we should we should uh, move Passover to the second Passover at, per Numbers nine six through seven. Now I've talked a lot, so I'm gonna throw this. 
I'm going to throw this over to you first. Who's the we? That's a great question. That's my first question. And that's helpful because when I saw PJ's email, I didn't know what it meant. And now, now I understand it has to do with the coronavirus idea. So my understanding is that because of the social distancing um, mechanism, that we should see that and interpret that as parallel to the people that in the Torah, in the book of Numbers, come up to Moses, Moshe and say, we couldn't keep Passover because we were unclean, unclean due to yeah. a dead, dead body. Right. And so Moshe inquires of the Lord, and then so they keep it the, the second month. So I, to, to me, I don't think it applies. I don't, I don't think that applies. If, if there's a community that wants to make that judgment for itself, what's going to happen if, if there's still social distancing a month from then? Are they going to bump it again? Are they going to bump it again? And here we're getting back to this issue of being, you know, how does this relate to our first topic? In other words, like, do we need to all have a huge Passover celebration together in a giant room? Or can we celebrate Pesach in our homes? And that is probably, I mean, that's where I'm going to go. That's my first point is that. That's what we pretty much do in our communities. We encourage, we try to encourage people to have small little Passover celebrations in their homes. You know, that's, we've never had one. I don't think we've ever had one giant Pesach. Our congregation, when everybody is there, is. 25 to 30 people. And that's about what we're having in our house this year. It's 25 to 30 people. Now, here's the thing is that when it comes to the the Torah command, it actually says, take a lamb for your family. And if your family's too small, get the next door neighbors to help too, right? Mm -hmm. So I, I understand the want of communities to be together, but originally, at least, we can say at least originally, Passover was a celebration within the home. Each home had their own lamb, and uh, you know next door neighbors would get together to be able to consume that entire lamb. So I don't see Passover as being this. Oh, we have to do it with the entire community. We have to do it in a huge, you know, this huge event. I think that Passover can much can just as easily be brought down into family units, and perhaps maybe should, especially during this time, right? Yeah, I think so. So, yeah, I agree with you. Here's the, oh, I want to go back real quick, by the way, because we talked about people who were trying to use, uh, you know, persecution as, as uh, something to to, to uh, push against the, the quarantine acts that have been going on by governors throughout, uh, throughout the United States and, and essentially around the world. Um, I've, one other verse that I've seen is um, used is Hebrews 10, 25 and 26, right? Do not neglect the assembling together as is the custom of some. I'm sorry, that this has nothing to do with that. You're talking about people who are willingly, you know, on a regular basis making it the custom to stay at home, as opposed to, look, when people get sick in the Torah, what happens? Right, right, They're quarantined, right, right. right? Yeah, I yeah, I saw someone quote that too, that Hebrews passage, as if, yeah. You know, I, I'm of the opinion that there that this is there's wisdom. This is in an effort to save lives. You know, the social distancing right now is in an effort to save lives. There's I know there's conspiracy out there. Oh, this is an experiment to see how they can control people. 
you know, or they're going to try to kill off a bunch of the population, you know, for the Green New Deal and all this kind of stuff. It's like, you know what? If I'm wrong, we'll all, you know, we're all going to learn it together. But I've lived long enough. Caleb, you've lived long enough to see no good crisis. You know, they say let no good crisis go to waste. This is true for the religious zealots out there. They'll turn everything into the apocalypse. Right. I'm not going to jump on that. You know, I've talked to so many people that even even in the uncertainty, they 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 have a sense of blessing. Right. That they're 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 spending time with their family, they're having quiet time with the Lord, you know, stuff that was unexpected, certainly. But God's using this to sift and you know, are your priorities in order? Are you seeking, are you always seeking his kingdom first? And and maybe he's given the church an opportunity to to do some self-reflection right now. Who do they trust? Um so you know, I don't know on the conspiracy thing. And and so I don't see this as, and that this ties in what we talked about at the beginning. If this goes on and on and on, and then it becomes clear, you know, that there's military enforcement, no one can meet. Okay. Now, now we're talking something a little more specific or, right. you know, Christians can't meet in public <laughs> or in, and gather. Okay. Now, now let's look at those scriptures like acts five or these other ones but you're right that the the forsaking uh, let no one forsake the fellowship doesn't that doesn't apply here either because here's the thing we've got our community has people that are 60 plus um have different kinds of immune uh, what do they call it compromised immune systems due to some other kind of heart condition or lung condition Man, we need to be praying that God, that these and taking care and calling and staying in touch. What can we do to help? What can I get for you? You know, there's don't risk it. Stay at home, and 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 I, you know, Caleb's idea I think is good. There will be people you're going to have an, a longing for fellowship again, and that is a good thing. I agree with Caleb on that. I agree with you, Caleb. That that that, that longing is important. Our community has chosen to to experiment with live streaming again. I'm not, Ours is a different, I'm not putting no, it down well, for that. I'm not putting it down for that. We don't normally stream our services. You know, right. we just don't, we've never done that. This is a new thing for us. We're experimenting with it and we'll see how it goes. But it's, we're looking at it only as a temporary um, thing. You we, know, we have two comments in the, in the chat room and Christopher, I'm going to get to your comment because it's a super good one. But by uh, Diana says something and, and I, I'm going to have to disagree with this, but she says, as believers, we cannot be fearful. It's not about being fearful. It's about taking precautions, which is exactly what the Torah tells us to do. If somebody's sick, you quarantine. That's what the Torah tells us, right? It's not about being fearful. She says we must be strong in the Lord. This is well. There a, are well, there's people out there that are panicking. Maybe she's talking sure. about that. But she says this is the type of persecution we should still be f- fulfilling. Uh, this is a type of persecution. No, it's not. I, I would disagree. Yeah, I don't think it. This it's is a not trial. It's a trial. Yeah, but it's not persecution. She says we should still be fulfilling scripture and be coming together. If you have a congregation, yeah, uh, I would. I would say if if you're going to do it, keep it small, and and people should abide by the protocols given by the NIH and the you know I mean uh, Institute of Health. You know. And if you have a if you have a person who's a trained nurse or a doctor, part of your community, 
and they can say, okay, we're going to go in in advance. We're going to wipe everything down and people are going to, you know, you could, there's ways that maybe you you can do that. You know what, you know what, it's all, it's all, uh, it's all easy to say until someone gets sick in your congregation and dies. That's the point. You know, when you have an elderly person or a, or a baby that gets sick from, uh, from someone else. Yeah. And, and they pass away. And, and they're trusting the leadership who's saying, oh, no, this is just the flu. This is no different than the flu. Right. Come on in. The, you know, the government is trying to oppress us. That's, that's, that is a person I would never trust to interpret the scriptures for me because they're, they're going to, you know, they're, they're not, they should, you know. Yeah. Look, wow. I, I totally agree. If the government says, hey, Christians aren't allowed to, to meet and worship anymore and, on pain of death. There we it. go. Now, bring now it. we're now we're now we're talking. Yeah. Now, in, now, now let's uh, let's now my basement is now open. But when people the, can when, come on, when here. the atheist, Buddhist, Mormon, you know, and all these people are experiencing the same thing, right? And just the good old capitalist who's agnostic, you know, they're all suffering the same thing. This is not persecution. Yeah. Uh, Christopher, My opinion. Christopher says, and this is this is a great question. How do you start a community when you are the only people you know who keep Torah? Okay, well, I don't think, once again, I don't think that you have to agree on everything in order to be in community with other believers. If you have to find people who, the prerequisites for me would be, do you believe that Yeshua is Yodhe Do you believe in a 66-book canon? If the answer and that it's inerrant, if the answer is yes on those two things, let's start there. Let's sit down and let's open the Bible together. Let's pray together. Let's worship together. You know, we got we got people who are hardcore Torah pursuant believe in the Shabbat. You know, we should be keeping the Shabbat, keep a kosher diet, all this stuff, keep the festivals, and they can't find uh, fellow believers in their in their general area that are keeping Torah. So what do they do? Well, they, they've found one or two other families that uh, do keep, you know, want to keep uh, Shabbat and those things that don't live right in their general area. They get together on Tuesdays or Wednesdays or Thursdays or whatever online and they talk to each other and, and they try to have each other over as often as possible. Then on Sunday they go to a Christian church. Now I'm not saying that's going to work for everyone, but the point is, is at least they've found a community. At least they've found other believers that they can that they can worship with. Keep in mind, people, community is a command. It is a command of Torah. So I mean, well, well and not only that, it's Yeshua is building his community, exactly. building his ecclesia. So you're part of the front line of that building project, and so there's a little bit of a pioneer spirit you need to have, you know, and and maybe a little bit uh, on the front end of a, of of a searcher. Right. Um, he's not going to put a desire in your heart and then just say, you know what? Nope. nope. Hey, look, look, Lois, who's in the in the chat room, you know, she told me that they that they desperately wanted a, a community. And I don't know if it was three years or two, two years or whatever. They sat and longed for a community. They went to a community online, I believe, but they were constantly at, you know, looking to start a community. And finally, the Lord helped them do that. It took years. But the Lord led them to do that, and she said that she was grateful that they waited because it, it you know, made them mature in, in what they were doing. Mm, cool. Yeah. Um, 
And I understand, you know, Diana says it may be true, Caleb, but if you live by yourself, it is very hard and sad, which is why community is so vital. That's why it's so vital. She, uh, Lois comes in and she says, we just, uh, we were just two families at first, now five. Exactly. Look, you know, when, when, uh, our community started, it was me and my wife and two other couples around a table and we haven't grown into anything huge. We're not, you know, and I, I admit we're in a major city. We're in Tacoma, but we sat down at a table and we opened the word and, and said, let's study the Bible. And in the beginning, by the way, I will I will say this: in the beginning, we I didn't we didn't know who was going to teach or, or how that was going to work, and so we started watching. The teaching time was a video. We did a video series. That's how we started. We watched a video series together, used that as our teaching, and then we talked about it. So I'm not saying that there isn't room for technology. That's not what I'm saying. But I am saying that one of the things that we were able to do was to come around each other and and uh, try to actually lift each other up and be a community and, and support each other in the Lord. And not only that, but those people were extremely encouraging for me and still are to this day. Okay. Uh, should we move on? Let's yeah, move what on. Do we got? Do we have, is that it? No, we got one more. Actually, we have a lot more if we want it. Okay, uh, a young woman writes in and says, there have been a few discussions recently regarding people being given a second chance for salvation after death. One of the scriptures that is being used is Ezekiel 37, especially verse 14, and I will put my spirit within you and you will come to life and I will place you on your own land when you will know that I am the Lord, have spoken and, ha- and done it declares the Lord. That's the NASB. It appears that this scripture is being taken out of context. I believe it is. Uh, based on my knowledge of the Bible, there is no truth to this. Can you please help by pointing me to scripture verses that are more in line with the traditional teaching that after death, we are not given a second chance. I have read verses like Daniel 12.2 and Hebrews 9.27. It is appointed for man to live, then comes ju- to die, then comes judgment, right? Isn't that what it is? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. What do you think, Rob? Uh, I just pulled open Ezekiel 37. So was there a specific verse? Did she say? Uh, verse 14. Verse 14. Um, Especially verse 14. Okay, let me go there. <clears throat> like, I guess I'd like to see how someone is using this because there's there's two points one is earlier in the passage uh verse nine he said to me prophecy to the breath which is that word ruach prophecy son of man say to the breath thus saith the lord god come from the four winds O breath breathe on these slain so the idea is these are people who are slain um it doesn't say they're wicked or anything like that it says they're slain um, and then he said to me, son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. Behold, they, so verses, this is verse 11. Our bones are dried up. Our hope is lost. We are indeed cut off. Okay, so he's explaining inside the vision. He's, he's, Ezekiel's receiving an explanation of what this is. 
These bones are the whole house of Israel. It's a metaphor. And what are they saying? Our bones are dried up. Our hope is lost. We are indeed cut off. Okay. What does that mean? What does it say that our, our hope is cut off? That is, they are absolutely dependent on God. When we see this, I mean, how many Psalms we could find that parallel this language of the psalmist who's crying out to God for deliverance because he, you know, I think about David, you know, in being, uh, you know, having to flee when Absalom, you know, rebelled against him, etc. And this is a, an encouragement that by God's spirit, he will exercise and enact his, his covenant faithfulness in history. This has nothing to do with the idea of sinners who refuse to repent and then die, and then somehow God's just going to, you know, uh, bless them. Right. You know, so um, it's tough just from the email to see how someone would use this Ezekiel 37 to argue that uh, an unrepentant, you know, wicked person who dies somehow qualifies as a recipient of this, the blessing that's explained in, in Ezekiel 37. I'm not, I, am I missing? Am I missing? No, I, I'm not sure exactly if this is, I think that this it might be where uh, this kind of theology is coming from, but this sounds to me like it's moving towards universalism. In other words, a person dies, they are then brought before Christ or, or whatever and given a second chance. Now, now that you have seen, do you believe? It's almost the idea because, you know, when I, I've, I've, um, yeah, well, even Yeshua in the, in, in, remember in the, the, the story of Lazarus and, and the, and he cries out to Abraham and what's the answer is look, if they don't believe Moshe, they're not going to believe if someone comes back from the dead. In other words, there's no sign or wonder that's going to work belief in right. someone unless they already have the faith that they would accept Moshe. Right. Right. And, and, Sorry, I, I kind of no, no, what were you no, saying? no, not at all. What I was going to say is that I, I, you know, I, I had a conversation about a year ago with a universalist. If you don't know what that is, it's the idea that everyone is saved. Everyone becomes saved at some point, which is different than the Arminian Calvinist debate. Right. Just, to, just for people's, because uh, even Arminians are going to say there's uh, there's limited eternal atonement. punishment of the wicked. Yeah, yeah. There's still a limitation of who's saved uh, right. in Arminian theology. Uh, the universalist is that is kind of is that the Rob what's his name Rob Bell yeah and, and this is where and the is person that I was yeah, yeah and the person that I was talking to actually was kind of championing championing Rob Bell's position but basically he he said look you know Hitler and you know this is where he this is kind of where he went is okay you know Hitler Stalin these guys yes they will spend time in hell but not eternity. They will be given the chance. In other words, they, they will pay a price for their sins, but not for eternity. That because God's not a harsh God. And and what I, and what I thought is okay. What is one life worth? <laughs> well, not only that, but but what is God's holiness worth? Exactly. And and not only that, but to say that this is this is almost a Catholic view. 
that okay, and may, I don't think that this person's view was you know uh, encompasses all um, all universalists or anything like that. But um, the the idea is that we pay for our sins. Hitler will stay in hell long enough to pay for his extermination of six million Jews. Then he'll get out of hell. Plus, plus however many million other people that he killed. Right. And then he'll get out of hell because he's he's paid enough. Well, this then what was the point of Christ coming? What was the point of Christ dying on the cross if we can pay for our own sins in hell? The point is, is that etern- is that the, is that God's holiness is infinite. Which means that any sin against his holiness is also an infinite sin. Yeah. Which means that you have to have an infinite life, which is why you have one of two options. You either have Christ, who is God, whose life is infinite in both directions. That will pay for the sin of anyone and all. Or you have someone who has to pay for eternity because it will never satisfy the holiness of God. Because God's holiness is infinite. Mm. And, and we I, talked about this a couple of weeks ago. Remember, we right. were talking about the same language, the same exact language. If you're going to say that that punishment is not eternal, then life with Yeshua is not eternal. Right. Yeah. So that means you're going to spend a certain amount of time with Yeshua, and then that time's going to that clock's going to run out too. But for some reason, they don't want that way. They want eternal life with Yeshua to continue, so that at the end of the payment period of hell, they pop into the good. Right. They, they move to the good place. Right? right. But that's but no, the, 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 the scripture language won't allow you to do that, because if that time runs out, there's not going to be another place. There's no good place to go to because it, too, is finite. And then you also have people in on the other <laughs> on the flip side of all of it's this. It's silly. It's silly. I'm sorry. I, on, on the flip side of all of this, you have annihilationism. And this is actually becoming more and more popular, especially within like the Torah movement. Is well, this, this is the Adventist position isn't it right and you i know, remember the one guy he like he he lights a match this is, this is like his his sermon and he says you know extinction what does it mean he's fire 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 and you know the, the match is turning black and char and it's and then pretty soon it's like he's like oh and then it's gone he's like that's what it is and and T- uh, tanner says i think that view is headed for a deep mischief yes exactly dr kaiser yeah no but tanner and he, he quoted no, oh, he, he quoted, quoted it in the chat room um you have you have annihilationism on the other hand which is uh uh well you know lex myers has has also uh tried to argue for annihilationism and i know a lot of a lot of people in the Torah movement who are pushing that way Towards annihilationism is the sense is is the sense that they have like for me to say annihilationism or there can't be an eternal punishment of the wicked. I'm a universalist. Is the sense that I am going to to tell you or describe for you the justice of God? I think it's that like that- I know what is just and what is not. I think it's more. Yes, that might be because some they're of it. saying God. God is unjust. If if I'm following, right? God is unjust to for a wicked person to suffer forever. Yeah, and and that the punishment outweighs the crime. Ultimately, the idea right, of eternal yeah. uh, eternal punishment is is far too much, which, in my opinion, greatly diminishes. And reduces the holiness of God. For people to say that that um, eternal punishment for one sin only 
is is too great a punishment does not it, it shows that people do not understand the holiness of God well and, and maybe they don't understand that the sanctity of life itself that right. that God that none of us are entitled to anything we didn't create this world we didn't give ourselves breath Romans like nine, we, we don't even know what we are apart from from the Holy Spirit working in our lives and drawing us to the scriptures and 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 in community and learning the you know learning the doctrines of grace and and growing in knowledge of the scriptures and in and in love God and love your neighbor we don't know what we are even believers don't fully know we know from first John 3 he says all we know this we know we're called by God's grace he's called us to be his children, but we don't even know yet what we are, but we know that when he appears, we will be like him. That's, that's, that's it. Even John, the apostle, the disciple is saying, look, we don't, all we know is Yeshua and our, our community, our koinonia, our communion with God in this world. And we're not entitled to diddly. We're not entitled to squat. And by his grace and his sovereignty, he has blessed us, as Paul writes in Ephesians 1, blessed us with every blessing, every spiritual blessing in the heavenlies. We can't even get our mind wrapped around what that means. Right. So I'm, I'm with you, brother. This idea of that somehow a flesh and blood person who with limited, who's lived a merely couple decades or more with, you know, a tiny little speck in in the vast history of the cosmos and humanity is somehow gonna say god would be un, the creator would be unjust to do this or that wow yeah. yeah all right well i hope everybody's having uh you know I, I gotta say one of the the good things about the quarantine is the uh social media like twitter has become extremely hilarious uh, people don't know what to do with themselves when they're stuck in inside. Uh, it's it's really very funny, um, but at the same time, I do I do feel for a lot of people. You know, I know people. Look, when I was twenty years old, nineteen twenty, if you know, if I wasn't allowed, if I wouldn't have been able to to work, I worked at a pizza restaurant. If I wasn't able to go to to you know work for a day, I'd lose eight hours, and all of a sudden, I couldn't pay rent. You know what I mean? Uh, my food came from the restaurant. I ate all my food from the <laughs> restaurant. So that was one bill I didn't even have back then. But I mean, I, I had to work every single hour I possibly could just to be able to pay my bills. So I really feel for people who are, you know, and I, I do hope and pray that this ends soon because, uh, one of the things that I'm learning, you know, our congregation has decided not to do anything online, uh, at least not yet. And I might get outweighed on that, but um, not yet. We we'll, we'll hold your feet to the fire. Exactly. But uh, well, I'm not that. I'm I'm not in charge. You know that 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 wouldn't be up to me. Um, but the point is, is that uh, you know it, it has really, really made me long and want to get back to community. It, it has made me realize there's a desperation there to be with this group of people every single week. And when I'm not with them, it. Uh, you know, I feel the effects of it. And I think that that's one of the things that we, we uh, are built to do with community, especially, uh, you know, w- once we're believers and we, pe- people naturally want to be part of communities. But I think that especially once we come to Christ and once we come to, uh, you know, to love the Lord, that 
community itself is like, it's like breath. You have to have it. You know what I mean? Or else you start to suffocate. Um, anyway, I, I certainly do feel for people and I, I don't want to, uh, come across as cold. I, and you know, I know that there are people who are going to disagree with me and that's totally fine. Um, no matter what, I hope that you're getting through your, uh, your quarantine time and we will be back next week on Wednesday, not Thursday. We will be back on Wednesday and I don't know what we're going to talk about. We've had a couple of uh, great emails. If you think of that's how you can spend your quarantine time. Think of topics for us to talk about on Messiah Matters. Well, one is we got, you know, two. If we do a show on the Wednesday following, which is the 14th of Nissan. So I don't know if we're going to do one probably the week after, but yeah. we could we could have a Pesach theme for, pardon me, for this next week. Right. Yeah. Oh, that reminds me, by the way, um, I've decided, I don't know if anybody's interested. I've decided that um, I'm going to release the first chapter of what was going to be my thesis. I'm going to do it on Growing a Messiah. So I'm going to release that probably the next day or two on growingamessiah.com. And nice. um, so if anybody's interested, I know I've had some people, when is, you know, when are you going to release this? When are you going to release it? Well, the first chapter is all on the chronology and it's, I'm, I know it's been beat, you know, over and over and over again. But uh, I'm going to weigh in with my with my first chapter. So if you want to check that out, you can go to growingmsi.com and check it out. And that's my wife and my blog site. And uh, yeah, anyway. All right. Anything else, Rob, before we sign off? Nope. nope. All right. Well, good luck, everybody. Stay healthy. And we will see you next time. We hope that this conversation has glorified our great God and Savior Yeshua the Messiah. Why? Well, because Messiah matters. Messiah matters.